Welcome to the official podcast of the Love Times 2 Project. Change the culture and the politics will follow. Yes. And those are the numbers that uh, just with this, with the destruction of embryos, just as with abortion, it's just hard to get our, our heads around that, um, to, yeah. to think the, the numbers uh, that we're talking about here. But when you look at uh, the connection between IVF, cre- uh, creation of embryos, and then a phrase that I've seen used quite a bit uh, because in, in various different settings, this has been something that I've had to address uh, in the last few years. But the term high quality embryos, mm-hmm. and you a great point in your discussion on this, that um, the, the, the selection in this process of the, quote, high quality embryos and the connection to eugenics. Why, why are we talking eugenics when we talk about selection of high quality embryos? Well, eugenics is the idea that you're going to uh, select what human beings are worthy of continuing to live versus those that aren't. And you're whether you're going to sterilize people to say that they shouldn't reproduce, whether you're going to kill babies in the womb or kill even younger embryos, you're deciding, you're being God, to say, yes, you deserve to live, but you don't. I mean, it harks back to decades ago and experiments on human beings, and the phrase was the life worthy of living. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this came up uh, more recently, the high-quality embryos, because they were coming up with artificial intelligence that's going to decide which of your IVF embryos would have the best chance of going ahead and gestating to birth. Well, as soon as you start saying some human beings are high quality, automatically you're saying some others are low quality. And you're selecting which deserve to live versus which are going to die. You mentioned something else in your blog about the 14-day rule. What's the 14-day mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's kind of a geeky concept, but you know, hang on. We're good uh, with geeky concepts on the podcast. <laughs> in the, back really in the 1990s, 1980s, late and into the 1990s, was when they were for first proposing to do experiments on embryos and to grow embryos actually in the lab. Now, these were primarily just proposals at those times. But uh, there were a lot of meetings and so on and and, uh, highbrow intellectuals trying to decide, you know, when did you become a human being so we could decide whether you can do experiments on you. And their concept that they came up with that they phrased as a, a sort of compromise was, well, up to about 14 days we will let somebody experiment on a human being, grow them in the lab for 14 days. But after that, we're saying, yeah, it's probably unethical. You know, between you and me again, any day, zero day limit is what I would like to see because you're still a human being even at that very early stage. You just don't quite look like we do at this point. So anyway, back in the 1990s, they put in this 14-day rule. In some countries, like the UK, it's actually a legal limit. 
There, they can experiment on human beings created in many different ways, whether it's fertilization, cloning, all sorts of other weird science, up to 14 days, but then they have to stop. And, of course, what they do is they just kill the embryo at that point. In the U.S., it's not a law, but it's a sort of rule that most of the labs would go by. Well, between you and me, it was a pretty easy rule to keep for a long time because nobody could grow a human embryo that long in the laboratory. The best they could usually get was about seven or eight days, only halfway to that limit. So it made them sound like they were very ethical and and they had compromised and done all these great things. Well, just a few years ago, though, a couple of scientists decided that they would try this again, and they were able to grow human embryos in the laboratory right up to that edge of 14 days. Well, what did you hear at that point? Oh, you know, that was just a political compromise, and it really didn't have any scientific basis or ethical basis. So maybe we ought to have a 21-day limit or a 28-day limit. And because they wanted to play with human embryos in the lab, they wanted to experiment on them. And what we found was you'd think they might just move the bar a little bit to try and make it look semi-ethical, but they didn't. About two years ago, there's a group called the International Society of Stem Cell Research. It's sort of a self-proclaimed group to come up with guidelines for embryo experiments. And they came out with new recommendations before it had been, oh, only up to 14 days. Their new recommendations were... As long as you can justify it scientifically, keep going. No limit on growing with human embryos in the lab and experimenting with them. And it's interesting because about that time then, I mentioned these labs who had grown human embryos. There's a scientist in Israel who started with mouse embryos, and he came up with this sort of It's not really an artificial womb. It's just bottles. But he could grow those mouse embryos in those bottles halfway through gestation for a mouse. They had beating hearts, arms, legs. Their brains had formed and so on. And then they were doing all these experiments on these later developed mouse embryos. And his phrase when he talked about doing experiments was, well, I think we ought to do it with human beings too. We can grow them up to 40 days or so and then just discard them. I mean, it's all experimental fun with these people. Mm-hmm. So we, we have to be aware that this is going on. There's a push for it. And we have to be pushing back to say, no, nah, this is wrong. We don't need to do these things. There are alternatives ethical alternatives such as using adult stem cells to come up with actual treatments and cures instead of the false promises given with embryonic stem cells and cloning, synthetic embryos, and all of these other things. You know, as a layperson who is not part of the science community, from from my viewpoint on this, it sounds like a lot of this area we're talking about is like the wild west, like whatever you can get by with that. I mean, is there an overall governing force that uh, keeps any of this in check or is it 
kind of do what you want to do with this. There is no oversight. Wow. And like I mentioned, this sort of self-declared group who put out recommendations, but they have no legal force. There are some countries that have laws in place. U.S. unfortunately isn't one of them. We don't have a lot of legal protections over young human beings in the womb or in the laboratory. Uh, And most places around the world don't. And so that's another reason that you need to be aware about this and speak up for those who have no voice. Even the very youngest human being, these children of God also need protection. Well, we've had several episodes of the podcast in which we've talked about CRISPR gene editing technology, Mm. and it it was just maybe a few years back. I can't recall exactly, uh, but not very many years ago uh, when the Chinese scientist, I believe it was, that announced that that two babies had actually been born uh, who had been gene edited and the scientific community at that time, there was this real, there was an uproar about it. How dare he do this and so forth. At least that was on the surface. And I always wondered at the time, was that more because he uh, went beyond an ethical norm or was it because there were other scientists that felt like they were left out in the cold because this guy got a head start and did what they wanted to do, but they didn't do it. And he was the first, I don't know what all was swirling around with that, but CRISPR gene editing technology as we focused on that in in a couple of discussions uh, have even pointed out that there are, um, there are nations for military purposes that are just really excited about CRISPR gene editing technology uh, because of the creation, if you want to put it in in such terms of a master military force uh, that they could put together for a variety of different. And it sounds like science fiction. I mean, really really this whole discussion very rapidly goes into, are we talking about a science fiction movie or is this real life? But uh, tell us about CRISPR gene editing technology. What are the concerns with that? You bet. And and just to to give the very basics here, CRISPR is just the latest, greatest enzyme to do genetic engineering. You can put it into a cell and it will cut at very precise places, at least in theory, to uh, make a mutation in a gene to turn it off, or you can cut out a bad gene and put in a good gene and so on. It has a lot of good, potentially very positive possibilities, but it's kind of just the latest craze. It's the most accurate at this point, uh, but it's not a hundred percent accurate either. So right away, one of the problems, if I say I'm going to come in and I'm going to CRISPR gene edit you, You kind of worry about, well, how accurate is that going to be? Are you just going to cut out the bad gene? You're going to replace it with a good gene? Are you going to cut a bunch of other places, what's called off target, because you're aiming at a specific genetic target, and invariably, it's not 100%, and so you can cut other places and so on. Well, there are actually some clinical trials going on for already born individuals, where they are trying to use this new genetic tool to, let's say, uh, repair the sickle cell gene or some other type of genetic problem. And they're showing some initial good success now because it is relatively accurate 
and it can be controlled very well, especially if we're talking about people that are already born. But invariably, what then did some scientists want to do is they wanted to go and uh, they would phrase it this way. We're going to prevent any of these diseases from happening by we'll genetically engineer the embryo. So back to that very earliest stage of our life. And you mentioned this Chinese scientist a few years ago, uh, and he did that. He went ahead and engineered several young human embryos, really from the very beginning of their existence. His idea was he was going to cut out a gene that was involved with uh, if someone is infected with the HIV virus. This particular gene is what the virus binds to so it can infect. And so his whole premise was we're going to make it so these little girls can never be infected by the HIV virus. Now, there are lots of other ways to prevent that infection, but this was his way. He was going to make them immune. Uh, he had these two little girls as embryos. It turned out once they were born and they actually checked the genetics, it only worked on one of the girls. He didn't get complete genetic engineering change on both of the girls. But there's also, we don't know a whole lot yet about how genes interact with each other. And so even on the one little girl that hopefully is now uh, immune, you might say, from infection with HIV, best estimate is uh, looking at the other aspects of that genetic change. And again, just one little genetic change on this girl these little girls, these twins, are probably more susceptible to things like influenza, West Nile virus. It's probably changed their brain function and their cognition and probably has decreased their lifespan. And you were right when you were going, okay, why were people upset? It wasn't that he crossed an ethical line. Definitely a lot of people were upset about that. But the scientists around the world that were most upset with him were ones who really wanted to be the one to do what he did. And he got ahead of him in the queue. Uh, he's a Chinese scientist. I would, uh, I would bet that the Chinese government was supporting him up until the time that he took all this grief from around the world. And then the phrase was, well, you know, yeah, that's probably bad, and we ought to come up with some new ethical rules. And he got put in jail for about three years, but has come out now, just I think just last spring from jail, and is setting up another lab and has told people that he didn't do anything wrong because there's no ethical guide for these particular folks. And they still want to be able to, quote, cure disease or prevent disease, but they really just want to play with humanity and play with the genetics of humanity. Are you looking for the perfect speaker for your next event or conference? Look no further than the new Love Times 2 Speakers Bureau, your go-to source for great pro-life speakers. We have a roster of renowned experts who can inspire, educate, and entertain your audience. Our speakers are ready to unleash their expertise and make your event a resounding success. Scheduling a pro-life speaker has never been easier. 
visit lovetimes2.org speakers and schedule your speaker today. You know, there's another uh, section of your blog that is, is really eye-opening as well. I think it's important to talk about, and that is we do hear more and more about how we might see science grow a liver in the lab or a heart or a kidney. And I think for a lot of folks, the thought is an actual liver will grow from scratch and there's a liver and then that liver is has been created. But that's really not how that works. Explain a little bit about uh, when we hear about growing livers or hearts or kidneys uh, in a lab type format, what's really going on with that? Well, what they're doing is they're growing a baby. They're growing a young human being. You don't just magically grow just a liver or a kidney or some other organ in the laboratory dish, and then you can transplant it. And in fact, that same Israeli scientist who grew the mouse babies in the bottles and proposed human babies in bottles, set up his own company, kind of following up on what he'd already done His idea would be we will essentially make a clone of you and then we'll grow your clone as an embryo, as a fetus. We will gestate your clone up to the point where then we can harvest that particular organ. And we're not going to consider your clone. We're not going to consider this developing human being as a human being. They're basically just... uh, an organ repair parts factory to grow you a new liver or kidney or heart or whatever. But you still have to have an intact human being to get that organ for transplant. So uh, it's, it's very macabre. There's, you know, it's interesting. There's some science fiction movies that had addressed that. And uh, point of fact, the science fiction is actually on point and ahead of us in terms of what's really going on and exposing these abuses of science. And we, again, need to educate ourselves and be aware that this is where they really want to go. Yeah, we're going to promise we're going to cure you. We're going to come up with transplantable organs and tissues. But what we're really going to do is grow up human beings as spare parts, just as fodder for experiments and transplants. Yeah, I think that's going to be harder to market than just talking about, oh, we, we've, we've got this fascinating new technology uh, to yeah. provide a liver. But knowing that it's being harvested, that is, as you said, it's the stuff science fiction movies have been made of in the past. And here we are. Uh, looking at it right now as part of our world. So we're talking to Dr. David Prentice from the Logier Institute, Logier Institute, L-O-Z-I-E-R, uh, institute.org. So you can check that out for a lot more information on this and a lot of other topics. And it's a very helpful resource to actually get good data on stuff. And it's hard to find good, accurate data uh, on a lot of the life issues topics that uh, often we talk about. So, uh, David, if you were to look into the very near future, and this might be a scary question, but um, what is there, if, if you just had to say, uh, you know, something that would make you um, lay awake at night and think about the unthinkable, uh, what could we possibly be looking at that's that's coming down the pike uh, maybe sooner than any of us really want to think about? 
Wow. Unfortunately, there are a lot of things, scary things coming down the pike. But I, I think, you know, a lot of this circles back to some of our earlier debates on cloning and embryonic stem cells or using human embryos for spare parts. And, and you know, this keeps getting held out there as we're going to cure. I had, I had one senator. U.S. Senator tell me this has a potential to cure all known maladies. You know, and they've got this hyperbolic view that they're just going to cure every problem in the world. If only you pro-lifers would get out of the way and just let us make embryos and destroy embryos and so on. But uh, we've really got to change the mindset here. More than anything, that's the scariest thing. If we consider an embryo, a young human being, early in development as not really quite there yet, then whatever you want to do and however you want to make that and whatever experiments you want to do and, and holding out hope, whether it's embryonic stem cells, whether it's growing organs in the laboratory, which means you've got to grow that little embryo until she's farther along in development. I, I think this continual erosion of our idea of who counts back to the the title of that blog of Mm -hmm. at what point are we going to say you have moral value and worth? And, you know, we're in the midst of these debates about abortion through all the States now, since the Dobb decision and, Mm -hmm. and some States saying, you know, you don't count at all if you're in the womb, whereas others are looking very, closely at, yeah, this is a human being who deserves protection. Uh, But getting our minds around every human being having moral value, a member of our species, a sister or a brother, is really where the debate's going on. And, you know, cloning, if you're made in a way other than the normal way, uh, is kind of one of the first big erosions of that. Many of these weird techniques, whether it's synthetic embryos, so-called, or, you know, uh, gene-edited embryos, three-parent embryos, and so on, animal-human hybrids. We didn't even address that in the blog because there was already so much. But these sort of weird things and so on, really comes back to cloning and embryo manipulation in the lab. I'm going to combine different species. I'm going to combine different genetics and so on. But a lot of it has to do with that sort of basic embryo cloning and manipulation. And, you know, until, again, we get our minds around that this is a human being, not how they were made, but what they are is the key, then we're going to continue to face these abuses of sciences and, uh, you know, devaluing humanity at any stage of life. Thank you, David. That's, this has been a great discussion, a lot of interesting stuff. And, and yet this is just barely scratching the surface. So again, for, for all listeners, I encourage you to go to the logierinstitute.org. I find a lot more information on this and other life issues related topics. And I think what uh, this all boils down to is we must always remember that a core foundational 
discussion must always be every human life has value because every human life is created in the image of God. If we ever lose the second half of that, that phrase, then we all just become uh, expendable, different types of, of products or whatever we want to call it. So, hey, David, thank you for your time. I know you're a very busy guy. You've got so much going on right now. Uh, take time out for this podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that uh, the listeners are really, uh, you've really piqued their interest on these topics. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Great to be with you. Thank you. And God bless. Hey, that's it for the podcast today. I hope that you've been enjoying this fascinating and troubling discussion. And I really do the hope that you'll take the time for a deeper dive and learn more about this. Now, be sure to share this with your friends and, and help stoke this conversation on these very important topics. And be sure you subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you prefer. Never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow. Thanks for listening to the official podcast of the Love Times Two Project. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And never forget, change the culture and the politics will follow.